game is over. This is a special post-game edition of the Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. Instant analysis and opinions on UCF's game. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Adams and Christian Simmons. Welcome into episode 99. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and at Night Sports Now. UCF walloped SMU. Just as we predicted. Sure. Come to the Pegasus podcast where we tell you exactly what I mean. At least you predicted a win. Sure did. Um, I forgot that you didn't even predict No, I didn't. I didn't have any faith in them to win this game. Um, someone asked me earlier, I hope they didn't take my advice. They asked me earlier to tell them what to bet on this game, and I said, Oh, God. Um, I said, I don't think UCF's going to win. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost by multiple touchdowns. And then I said, Also, UCF could come out and look really good. Like, it's just like one of those things where it's been very much hot or cold, which we've talked about. So. Hopefully they didn't take my advice on that. Well, but. that's the story of the season. So UCF won. It was 41-13. to 13. Don't let anyone fool you and say it was 41-19. to 19 Oh, my God. Um, Rhett, I, Lash, Rhett Lashley decided to – I don't know what that was about. You know what? Here's the thing. And, and I've watched a lot of – I've watched a lot of college football in my lifetime because it's, like, my favorite thing. And I watch it nonstop yeah. all the time. Like, my favorite thing in the world is when there's, like, an Arizona-Oregon State game on at 11 p.m. because then I can stay up to watching football until 2 a.m. <laughs> I have never seen a sadder garbage time touchdown than that. To get to the one-yard line and call a timeout with five seconds left so you can score, get stopped, and then call another timeout with a second left in a 41-13 game so you can make it 41-19 is the saddest damn thing I have ever seen. <laughs> and I told you this as we were coming back to your house to record this. I was like, I didn't see it on the TV. I was just at the game, so I didn't see like any replays or anything. But I just can't, I don't believe that he got a second timeout off. I don't believe that he got that timeout off with a second. I, no, the refs didn't even really check. Like, Rhett Lashley was just like, no, no, I called timeout. And they were like, all right, okay. Yeah, sure. sure. Them not even letting them kick the PAT was my favorite part of that. Like, they're just like, the game's <laughs> I, over. Like, get out. I started walking down the stairs when it was the first time the game ended. Mm. And then well, they put the second back on and everyone was like rushing back. I was like, what's going on? So I turn around. I see them like score the touchdown and I hear touchdown SMU and I like immediately just walk down the stairs. And as I'm walking down the stairs, I hear... The game is over from the uh, from the ref. It was like they're not even gonna kick the PAT, but just what a, it was a, really one of those games where it was like the first half felt like all of my worst nightmares. Like, actually, no, I can't I can't say that because as like frustrating as the first half was from an offensive standpoint, where again the UCF offense looked like the UCF offense has looked many times this year, the defense played so well that I still went into halftime thinking like, all right, we we got a shot. It was a three point yeah. game. And then I, I didn't think UCF had a shot to come out and just absolutely dominate the second half. No, I don't. I, I, I was like, going into halftime, I was like, I think they're going to win this. I think it's going to be close. And I don't <laughs> think anyone predicted. Which, in postgame, Malzahn and then every single player they brought out said that their whole thing they emphasized this whole week and all of last week, Gus Malzahn put on the whiteboard over and over was win the second half, win the second half, win the second half. And boy, did they. I just am like, can we win the first half Yeah, just win, win both halves, and then you'll have a, just a great time. It'll be a fun time at, at the football game. So should we talk about John R.S. Plumley? Um, I'm reminded of this because I'm scrolling Twitter as we're doing this, and our RBJ, who's a great follow, even though I don't agree with a lot of things he says. <laughs> um, really, I'm not being sarcastic. He's a great follow. Uh, tweeted the John Rice Plumley apology form and asks for people to sign it right Did now. he forget that he was out on him in the first half? I'm going to... He, oh, he just replied and said, I've already signed. Oh, okay. Fair okay. enough. So he's, Fair he's enough. holding stuff. Yeah. I just want to point out, because people have, like, a lot of people have said stuff to me on Twitter. John Chris Plumley did exactly what I said he was going to do. 
It, I said that we'll get Heisman John Rice Pullman this week. That was that I mean that was the trend that we talked about. That's been on, the joke that we've talked about this whole season. On the he Georgia goes, Tech podcast, he either looks like a Heisman contender or horrible and no in between. SC State, he looked amazing. Louisville could not do anything. FAU, he's unstoppable. Georgia Tech, forty-five passing yards. So yes, <laughs> he was on pace to look great, and he did. So congrats. Now, did this time feel different? Yes, it did to me. Yeah, it felt different. It did. It felt like the offense actually had put something together. The second half was the first time this season where I was like, I feel hope. It felt like a UCF offense for yes. the first time since maybe the Boise State game last year. I mean, in, in a bigger game, honestly, not like yeah. the honestly, yeah. game, but it just felt like they finally had figured out. And listen, we talked about. I mean, they were they were taking what the defense was giving them. I mean, yeah. like if you're going to leave the middle of the field alone, we're going to take advantage of it. But it just felt like. Other than, we'll get into the misdirection, the stupid <laughs> play in a second, but it just felt like they got into this rhythm of, we know we have athletes. We know we have skill talent. We're just going to let them work. We don't have to get Javon Baker the ball 30 yards downfield. We can give it to him 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, and he will pick up the other 40 on his own. Like It, it just <laughs> felt like they finally realized that they don't have to force John Rice to do stuff he can't do, and they finally were finding the balance of what he can do and leaning into that. And it was different because I like we were talking about this a little bit earlier. It was just... Because we, we came out of the FAU game saying, all right, they think they actually used him like better. But that was more like like you made the point to me, like it was better as far as rushing, like using yeah. him in the, in the as a rusher. They figured like, out when those this, draw plays made yeah. sense. They figured out when to use him in those scenarios. They figured out to get him to stop dropping back. But they hadn't figured out how to actually get him to successfully pass the ball. And this felt them. like a very much, very much like a whole offensive, like we kind of figured some stuff out. And now, again, like this comes with the caveat of like they need to do it and sustain it. It needs to be... A habit thing it can't be a hot and cold yeah. thing all year and gus but, said a big part of it was simplifying they basically yeah. just ran a bunch of rpos i mean it was very much you basically on every play you're getting john rice in some kind of draw or bowser or rj gets it or some kind of slant and that was pretty much it that was the offense they ran in the second half except for the misdirection which was stupid <laughs> and because gus malzahn as you said just can't help himself sometimes yeah. and it worked That's fun. it worked really well because the thing we've talked about before is ucf is at its best when it can out talent teams and as the schedule stands now, except for Cincinnati, they can pretty much try to out-talent everyone on the schedule. Yeah, I think I would agree. I don't, I don't think there's anybody that will match up with them talent-wise. The one yeah. big caveat is that this is still – the big question mark is still consistency. Yeah. It still is consistent. Like, they looked great tonight, and I'm feeling more optimistic about the season, but it doesn't – like, I feel like fans don't get when they're like, oh, well, you said they were be ba- they're, they're bad or JRP's bad. We've had the same take on JRP the entire season. He's inconsistent. We had a point in the first half where he threw a stupidly overthrown ball on what should have been a first down. A drive went by, and then he threw a ball into the tightest window I have ever seen a UCF quarterback complete on a beautiful throw. Like 10 minutes of real time apart. (laughs) And that's what you have to— And like I said, I feel like they finally got the offense to the point where they can mitigate that, and I hope that's right, but— they have to find a way for him to be more consistent. That was my big halftime takeaway was, you, like, you have to build that consistency. I still don't want every single week to be us saying which version of John Rice are we going to get. I want to see the version we saw in the second half every game. And that's the it's like, it's more than just the which one, like, version are we going to get, like, on in this game. It's, like, which version are we going to get this drive? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is this going to be a good drive for him? Or is this going to be one of those where he overthrows two receivers and then on third and ten... He tries to escape, and he gets like a yard. And I have to say, I don't know what they talked about at halftime what changed. The one thing we saw from him in the second half that we had not seen for a second this season was him legitimately extending plays. Because yeah. when people talk about John Rice as a dual-threat quarterback, what we saw in the first four games was quote-unquote dual-threat, but it was the pocket collapses or is threatening to collapse, and he darts and picks up five yards. Before tonight, I had never seen him actually just run around 
keep his eyes downfield and try to make a play after the initial play had collapsed. And he did that a couple different times tonight. Yeah. And that was super encouraging to see because that was brand new. Yeah. I mean, his stat, line, his stat line was 20 of 29 for 316 yards and two touchdowns. No turnovers was a big thing, too. Yeah, that was huge. His rushing, it was weird. He 11, 11 carries for 27 yards. His longest run was six yards. See, but I like that because when people talk about <laughs> dual threat, like, I know it's not the Malzahn style, but, like, my ideal quarterback is a Mackenzie Milton. Like, Mackenzie Milton, when he got out of the pocket because things weren't working out, his instinct was never to run. His instinct was to extend the play. And it felt like that's more of what John Rice was leaning into tonight. I'm like, do that. Like, and it always felt like it always felt like with McKenzie it was, and we get into the dangerous territory of trying to compare quarterbacks to McKenzie Milton. Um, just he his, his rushing was like I don't want to call it a last resort, but it was like if if the yards were there to pick up with his legs, he'd pick it up. It felt like for very much of the first four games, JRP was like, okay, I'm gonna run. Yeah, I'm just gonna take off now. But and I we think, saw situations where like the pocket is fine. Yeah, he's just like, oh my god, and it's. Like, I think that's back, what you need to to back to on. the Peach Bowl when it wasn't going well for McKenzie in, in the passing game, but they were giving him free yards to run, and he did. He kept UCF in that game early on with his legs, and it's just yeah. like there's there's the right balance to strike with it, and I feel like we saw more of that from JRP tonight, which was nice. This was like no doubt about it, his best game of the season, and. Yeah. I'm encouraged because it didn't so much feel like, oh, he's just on right now as far as it felt like the offense had adapted to him. Yeah. And I get a big part of that is they were taking what SMU gave them and not every team is going to give them that. But also the alternative is they talked about in postgame is like, are you going to go one-on-one with Javon Baker and Ryan O'Keefe? I would think so. Well, he'll cue if you do. Yeah. I mean, Javon Baker is freaking insane. He had more than 70 <laughs> yards after the catch night. Yeah, he uh, six catches, 138 yards. Um, I wish I had 51. the... I missed the elevator to get down to the press room, so I did not get the official stats from UCF. I did get to watch Mackenzie Milton step out of the elevator, <laughs> and someone who I don't know behind me yell, it's the king, when he stepped out, which was <laughs> a strange reaction, but like, you know. I mean, it's not wrong. No one's arguing. It was just, it, is it weird that it felt strange to yell that to him on the day that Blake Bortles retired from football? <laughs> I don't know. A little bit. I don't know. This was a nice... But anyway, that was my way of saying that I don't know exactly how many yards after catch Devon had because I didn't get the stat sheet. But going into the fourth quarter, I know it was 72. That's kind of crazy. That, that's what UCF is doing. That, that's what <laughs> makes sense with these receivers. If JRP can't get the ball 30 yards downfield, fine. Give it to Javon Baker 10 yards down the field, and he'll go get the rest. Give it fine. to Ryan O'Keefe in space. He had six catches for 117 yards and two touchdowns. That works. Kobe Hudson's on the board. Yeah, he is. Kobe Hudson has, like, stats now. Yeah, it's he crazy. has three catches for 53 yards this season. They all came tonight. And listen, I'm going to say it. Isaiah Bowser had three touchdowns. <laughs> and, and anytime UCF is within 20 yards of the end zone, I am fully in favor of getting it to Isaiah Bowser. But I'm going to say it anyway. anyway. 20 yards seems a bit far. 10 yards. <laughs> listen, RJ Harvey is the best running back on this team. Yeah. He is. He is. And he got his first ever first half snaps tonight, which was exciting. <laughs> I'm serious. That's though. weird to think about, though. Yeah. Because it's not like he hasn't been a part of things. I mean, they've been. It almost feels like each game they're bit by bit, incrementally. And I wonder. And I don't know. It's. I wonder if it's one of those things where Bowser and Johnny are like the established guys because they were here last year, and he's still working his way back. I don't know. It's been a year now, but he's still working his way back from an ACL injury. So it's like, all right, well, we'll, we'll build question. up. But how, I think by the end of the year, I think. How established is Johnny if R.J. Harvey got seven carries and led the team in rushing, and Johnny Richardson got three carries and I think the first quarter? I wonder gone. about Johnny. With like, was he banged up at all, or is it just because? I feel like I might be misremembering. It might be somebody else. I, I mean, feel like he, he was banged up really a little bit against Georgia him. Tech. Yeah. And then I don't know if something got aggravated tonight, or if maybe you just I don't know because 
I, to give a guy, he had three carries, is what you said, right? Three carries yeah, for three carries. 12 yards. Yeah. I but feel he like he had one nice run, if I remember right, and then two duds. Yeah, he had a nine, or, yeah, he had a nine yard run. So, okay, out yeah, of the 12 yards. Um, yeah. But, I just I feel like it has to be something injury because you go you don't give a guy three carries and be like okay it's not working with him. I just no. feel like three carries but is not enough. To I don't know. Like, do you do that if your other running backs are Isaiah Bowser and RJ Harvey? Like it's not like you need to get Johnny going. But to never go back night. to him in a game where like at, by the end you had it in hand and yeah I don't, I don't know. know I don't know. So it was a weird thing. But, but he's listed as your co-starting running back. You're not going to give him garbage time touches. Yeah. So I don't know. I, there could be something there, but I just this. And, like, away from, like, the nitty-gritty of the game to a more, like, philosophical take. Like, this was exactly what UCF needed right now. Oh, my now. gosh. To open conference play by just crushing a team that... Let's be real. SMU and UCF are similar talent levels. They are. That was yeah. evident I mean, look, look at... I know there was all the injuries and everything, but look at last year. Like, SMU was just... They rolled over at UCF last year. In less than a year to go from FSU absolutely crushing UCF SMU. to UCF absolutely... What? You said FSU. Did I really? Yeah, I don't know why. It is. It's not even that late. It's twelve sixteen. I don't know what's happening, with you guys. I'm, I just finished a cup of pumpkin tea too, so I should be like <laughs> good to go here. And instead, I'm talking about FSU for some reason. Um, but to go in less than a year from SMU running you off their field to you running, oh my god, I almost said USF there, and I just thought myself, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. You guys get what I'm trying to say. There's been progress. That's, there that's has been some great progress. And I tweeted the stat because I found it super interesting. So I was like, all right, UCF's four and one. What's their record when they start four and one? When they start four and one or better, they're fifty six and seven. Did you do that before, like before the game I did or like that, this I, week? I did that while Jason Johnson was talking. Really? There wasn't a whole lot of like interesting stuff going on there, so I just it didn't to take a stat. Okay, because I saw you tweet that, and I was like, yeah. that had to have been prepared. Like, no, it was not. How did you find that so quickly? I don't even really get into it. I guess, if any but... of you follow me on Twitter, and I thought Bailey is one of my best friends, would realize this. I love stats. I know that, but I just has. I know usually when you look into stats, it sometimes can take you a while to like nail down something to find like all I have the times every, they've gone four and one. I have every UCF record saved in my phone, nineteen seventy nine to present. I have their conference record for each year. I have but then, don't you have to look at the schedule year. to see which ones they started four and one in? Yeah, and I did that in that short amount of time. It took me eight minutes. Jason Johnson wasn't even up there for that long, was he? I don't think so. <laughs> I got it done very quickly. Is the point? Yeah, I was, I was surprised. I was like, I was like, oh, that's one. That I even double checked it before I tweeted it, so oh I know it's gosh. true. But um, no, I I love stats. Quite I, impressive. If you guys follow me, it shouldn't be a surprise. I just I adore coming up with stats. But that one was I thought suit like they basically their worst. What do you think their worst record is when they start when they've started four and one or better? Um, eight and four. Ten and three. It was twenty nineteen, and they finished in the top twenty five. That's kind of weird. Every year they've started four and one or better, they finished in the top twenty-five, except nineteen ninety-eight with Dante Culpepper because they were an independent and they still went nine and two. What? So basically, UCF has never been anything but very good when they've started <laughs> four and one. So UCF, hopefully, I mean, I just and this is the big thing because we talk about consistency being the big issue, and it is. This sets up perfectly because you just had this big win. If you can carry that momentum into Temple, which is a really bad team that you should not have a problem with. And you have another big game. At that point, you're rolling. And maybe yeah. you've broken out of this whole flip-flopping. I'm talking about JRP and the offense as a whole because the defense is— Because at that point, you will have won four games in a row. Four in a row. You'll going be 5-1 like, and one at the halfway point of the season. You'll have a couple big home ones under your belt. Going into, like, probably your biggest road test. Yeah, definitely your biggest road test, Yeah, because Memphis say. hasn't looked super— I mean, Oh, we'll see. I forgot about Memphis. Me- but I, we're going East to Memphis. Carolina, we're not going to Memphis game. East Carolina might be tougher than Memphis, but— Especially from like a quarterback. Did you know ECU is like I think they're one and three. Are they one and three? I, unless unless UCF's 
because you know like they have little AAC graphics up on yeah. their press conferences. I I was surprised. I looked at ECU's record on there and I was surprised. They're three and two. Yeah, where did that come from? I don't man? know. They lost by one to NC State. Then they beat Old Dominion easily. They beat Campbell easily. Because I saw that and I was like, that I was like, there's no way. They're gonna be tough. Their only their only two losses are they lost by one to NC State, who's 14th in the And they should have won if they had a, if they would have had yes. Colton Boomer. They lost to Navy, which is bad, but it was in double overtime, and all their three wins have been blowouts. So they're tough. That's a tough one. But especially for John Rice Plumley, because he's sort of in his own head. That's why I get mad too when people like uh, a few uh, more than a few people on Twitter have been like, Why do you say that John Rice Plumley played badly? Blah blah. He said he played badly. Yeah. He came out and said, I played bad against Georgia Tech. I feel like as a quarterback, if you can get your confidence up, it makes such a difference how you play. If he really feels like he has command of that offense, if he feels like he can play up to his best, he will. And having this game and then going up against a team that should offer no resistance, if he can have another good game and finally break the cycle of up-down, up-down, it could be off to the races. You know, I think he will. I think he will too because Temple's that bad. Temple's bad? Yeah. But I don't know. Just something felt different about the second half. It did. It did. And I guess, I mean, it is different game to game. Like, Temple's going to give them different looks than SMU did, and they're going to have to just see see how that how they can handle that. But I don't know. It just it was it felt like a different offense. It which... really did. It was the first time. I mean, it's not like UCF has looked bad this whole season. They've gone up and down. They've gone from looking very good to very bad. This was the first time they looked very good, and I was like, this just feels like they figured it out. You I know? think part of it too was like relative to expectations. Like I did think they were going to lose to SMU, and even though I like I thought like, yeah they could still win this game, like it was one of those where. You and I talked about it. I don't remember if we said it on the last podcast or not, if it was something we said off the podcast. But like, it felt like whoever lost this game was basically just kind of going to be done. Yeah. Like not like mathematically or anything, but it just we felt said like... that off the podcast. But I did. I said whichever team loses this game, their season is objectively over. And I know that it's not like on paper all they yeah, can come back, course, but it's yeah. like if UCF had lost this game, like flip the results. I know this wouldn't have happened, but like flip the score. Say if UCF had lost like that, you're three and two. The only two legitimate teams you've played, you've lost to. Your team yeah. is going to unravel. You're going to be done. And I think SMU is going to unravel now, and that sucks for them. But That know. was the thing to me is, like, SMU's 2-3, and three, but that's not a 2-3 and three team. Like, no. it doesn't feel like it. They like played some really that's good teams. Like, that's a solid team. And for UCF to put together the second half that they did, and we'll get to the defense in a second because we've focused a lot on the offense so far. But for them to do that against SMU, I know SMU doesn't have a great defense. It's more about their offense on that side of things. But... Just in a game like this, at a team that like is probably in a, it's in a they're in a similar state as you are, to do that and come out now four and one going into like a literally I, I said it on Twitter it's a it's a layup next week it's like close to a gimme game as you're it's gonna gotta get be the conference opponent and yeah it's just everything is feeling like it's on the up. Let me tell you how critical tonight was. UCF is now one of four AAC teams undefeated in conference play. <laughs> We're already down to four. That matters because really with the AAC not having divisions, you get one loss and you hope it's not to a team that's going to... So it's down to Memphis, Cincinnati, Tulane, and UCF. So UCF is... I mean, literally two of those four are going to be in the title. Yeah. I'm very sure of that. So it was just critical. And yeah, we can talk about the defense. I don't understand how the red zone defense is as good as it is. It defies all logic and sense. I mean, once again, 476 total yards, but in the red zone, they I think they were... Oh, it doesn't have the red zone stats here. I don't... They didn't score from inside the red zone. 
They scored. They got field goals, field, but they didn't get a touchdown. Field goals, yeah. No, I, the only touchdown came on like a it was like a thirty nine yard touchdown. We've had this right philosophical debate for years that I don't care about yards. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like, it's it's it no, just further proof of like the bend don't break because like yeah they were giving up yards, but once they got inside the twenty or inside the twenty five, SMU couldn't do anything. It makes no sense. If it wasn't for that stupid garbage time ridiculous touchdown with backups, UCF would not have allowed a red zone score tonight. Yeah, I mean, how many times did they get in the red zone? It was at least four, right? I think so. And they I, stopped Georgia Tech in the red zone five times last week. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it was like just to if you look at everything. I can I say one more thing? Yeah. Really on that? I just want to say really quick before we get away from that. And the other thing is like this isn't like Georgia Tech. SMU's offense is really oh, good. It's extremely good. Their quarterback good. is really good. That receiver who catches everything is really good. I think Tanner Mordecai's Tanner Mordecai's probably the best quarterback in the conference. Um, sir, John Rice Plumley is right there. So is uh, Mikey um, Keene. So SMU um, went Can I say four... a Mikey Keene thing really quickly? Okay. I just want to say that someone tweeted at me and said that they felt like we have a Mikey Keene bias. And I just want to remind you that we call ourselves the Mikey Keene propaganda machine. Like, how did you figure out that we might have a Mikey There's Keene? There's no <laughs> way. Um, so what I was going to say, this is my third attempt to say this. Uh, SMU went 4 of 16 on third downs and 2 of 5 on fourth downs. Um, I think at one point they were like one for eleven yeah. on third downs. It was bad. Like they UCF was just getting off the These field. These were all kinds of third downs too. Third yeah. and long, third and short. They couldn't do anything. I think and this is like one of those things where it's twelve twenty four and it's like after a big win like this. This'll be good. I, I think UCF's DBs might collectively as a unit might be like top twenty in the country. You know, it's funny because I was worried about them after the first couple drives. Because they were playing soft and it was just, it was frustrating. But yeah. you might be right. And that's what's so interesting about the defense to me is it's every game, it's a different couple players standing out and having a huge game. And that just makes me realize, oh my God, this this team is, this defense is insane. And what's really wild, and I know I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but we're having a conversation in the press box where it's like, assuming nothing changes, which things can change. When you look at the recruits they're bringing in that T. Will is bringing in, like this defense, like if T. if they manage to keep T. Will, which I'm in favor of giving him every single dollar they can find, like pull up the couch cushions in the athletic building and find money. I'll donate. Uh, they, you know how you can like click what you're donating yeah. to, like basketball excellence. There's just T. Will salary. salary. <laughs> if he stays and he gets these defensive players, the John Walkers, the Harris twins of the world, that they stay and it, like this could we could be talking about by 2024. This could be a top three defense in the Big Twelve. It really could. And that's insane to me. That is really just, it's weird to think it's about. It's so much harder. I, this might be controversial, but I think it is so much harder to build a good defense than to build a good offense. Like, especially when you're recruiting in Florida, skill players are a dime. College football just feels like it's just so much, it's about scoring. It so is. Like it's, so if you can have a, this stout defense that just crushes opponents, it's like you can be really freaking good. I just had a weird moment when you said that, though. Like, I know, I just have this every once in a while where, like, UCF's going to be in the Big 12 next year. I know, right? Like, it's just a weird thing where, you're like, in a couple of years, they're going to be, like, one of the best defenses in the Big 12. And I was like, oh, yeah. It's – I had that – I tweeted. I had that this week when I was watching the – which game was I watching? The Oklahoma TCU oh, yeah. game. And I'm just watching this, and I'm like, those are UCF's conference And then someone had said after the game, after the Rhett Lashley thing, they were like, oh, UCF will remember that next year. I was like, well, they don't play mm-hmm. SMU They're probably ever probably again. Ne- so It could be many – it could be decades before they play <laughs> It was just a weird thing. I was like, oh, yeah, we won't be – like, some of these teams – well, most of these teams – the rest of the season that UCF is playing, it's just we're not going to see him anymore. Well, uh, SMU, if uh, Brett Yormark gets his way, SMU could be heading to the Pac-12 in a couple years. So maybe we'll get a UCF SMU Alamo Bowl <laughs> in 2025 or something. Yeah, so the defense, the, and like you said, the different guys stepping up. Like this is a game they played without Quadric Bullard. 
Yep. And Kobe Perry stepped right in and did what we hoped we <laughs> hoped and thought Kobe Perry could do all offseason. It actually baffled me even more because he looked awesome. Oh, like, yeah, is I know. the defense just that Yeah, stacked? I think it is. That's insane, Because I think man. when you see some of the other guys that get in that are like not the starters, when they get in and they play really well, it's just like they can't crack the starting lineup just because the starting lineup is insane. I know. Even Nikai Martinez came in yeah. and had a breakup. I mean, the defense is just – I. They I need to, to see, I need to see that Nikai Martinez pass breakup game. It looked like it just hit him in the back, but I wasn't sure. I was on the other side of the stadium. Maybe it did. I think it was like just hit him in the back or like hit him in that helmet. I know it is, but Brandon it's just... Brandon Adams had the best breakup of the night by yeah. a mile. But. And there was some really good... Pa- I actually made at least, at least one pass breakup. One of them, I think I saw the replay and it actually was pass interference. But there was a pass breakup that was a great play that the player got called pass interference. I think it was Brandon Adams, wasn't it? Brandon Adams got called for pass interference, and it just wasn't pass interference. Yeah, it was Brandon Adams. It, it was pass interference. Oh, on the offense. It just I think that there was another one. I think there was another one where it maybe it wasn't Brandon Adams on the other one I'm thinking of, but there was a defender who came up. I feel like they just got really pass interference happy in the third quarter, other than the one where you know everyone's like, oh, they didn't call it in the end zone on the fourth down play. Yeah, it's because two plays earlier, the offensive player, the wide receiver for SMU, Pulls down UCF's defender and they call it defensive pass interference. I can't believe it. And I I, I started to think because like there was a couple bad ones, a couple bad calls, and I started to think and I was like, and I know a, a lot of Cincinnati fans had this like these moments in their game on Saturday. It was like, is this how it's gonna be the rest of the year? <laughs> like, are we gonna get some of these like it's like oh you're you're leaving us? So I don't I don't so. think so. But I, like it was it was starting to feel that way for a few in a row where I was like this is and this is insane. I don't agree. I, I no, it probably I, isn't, but it was just, I was thinking that. It's like SMU got hit with some really bad penalties in that game. They got hit with a phantom hold. It's like, it, it, it's just, it, things happen, which killed one of their drives. I mean, it's like, I think refs are just generally pretty bad at their jobs. They're, and, I think just... it, and I understand, because I know there are people who like to defend refs. I understand that it's a very hard job, and I understand that collegiate refs, that is not their career. They are people who do something, kind of like us in this podcast. They're people who <laughs> do something else, and then the officiating is their side hustle. So I get that, but it's very annoying. No, yeah, it's, it, it drives me insane. Especially because, like, the first half, they called a pretty good game. Like, it wasn't like they weren't inserting themselves at all in the game. It was just like the flow of the game was nice. And then the second half started, and they were like, oh, shoot, we need our TV time. <laughs> it was just, it was driving me crazy. Um, man, the defense, like, Tramon Morris Brash had a safety. He had a um, couple, he had a couple TFLs. Two tackles for loss. Sack. It's just, yeah. Corey Thornton had two pass breakups. Brian Adams had two. Nakai Martinez is credited here on here with two. Um, Devon Wilson played really well again, I thought. What's so exciting about this defense, too, is so many of the names you're saying are guys that are still going to be here next year. Yeah. Which is going to be huge for the Big 12. Yeah, it was um, definitely interesting. Who? Uh, I have a question. Okay. This is not right. So these stats, I'm not questioning all of these stats. Okay. They credited, you know who they credited with a tackle in this game? Who? Just give me a guess. I don't know. There's a lot of players on the team. Terrence Lewis. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering. No. I'm wondering who they thought was Terrence Lewis because Terrence Lewis is no longer. Was someone wearing ten? I don't know. Now I have to go to UCS roster and check it. But I, I'm just like scrolling here and I see T. Lewis and I'm like, I'm trying to like make sure I don't forget somebody that, to mention somebody. I see T. Lewis. I'm like, what? Damari Henderson had a nice, uh, nice hit. Yeah. Late in the game. Love seeing the true freshman already. It's just yeah, it's great. Um, um, CCF defense is now through five games allowing 13.4 points per game. You'll win a lot of games you if sure you're giving will. up 13 points. Which, let's be real, they really allowed 13 tonight. Yeah, they did. So, so <laughs> that, that average should really be lower. Temple that, might not score on them. Temple's not. Temple might just straight Temple's up not, not good. 
let me add the caveat Temple might not score through three quarters. Yeah. Because that's what's fourth quarter about. whatever, but the game, now, I mean, game last year, they scored seven points on UCF's defense. I don't know. Like, this year's defense – I know last year's got a lot better as the year went on. But this year's defense is – it's just been insane. So, I'm looking at the schedule. I think that UCF's worst-case scenario is now 8-4. and four. I think we do this after every podcast where we're like – We're just going way too high or way too low. Yeah, it's No, because like, hear me out. They're going to be – they're going to beat Temple. Yeah. Um, they're going to beat Tulane. They're going to beat Navy. They're going to beat Tulane's USF. pretty good, though. It's – I get that, but they're going to be Tulane. Um, so that gets you eight and four, and then the toss-ups are the three-game stretch of ECU, Cincinnati, and Memphis. All all three of those, I could see them losing. I could see them losing all three of them. I don't think they will lose yes, all three of them. So it's correct. like I think they'll. I honestly think they'll win. I feel like they'll win two of them. Do you want to like as we did on the last like two episodes ago? Do you want to once again let's go through the rest of the schedule and tell me? Sure, but this the last time we did it with like, I think it was like we did it. Based on the John Rice Plumley scale the John, of John, now we're just doing law it of John on Rice Plumley, whatever I call it. The law of John Rice Plumley is we're not putting an effect. Just yeah, so we're just thinking how, how okay. based on vibes. We'll do this on yes, vibes. On vibes, okay. Space game against Temple. When? Okay, they're five and one uh, at East Carolina. When? Seven and one Cincinnati at home. Wait, six and one, right? Six and one. What did I say? Seven and one. I'm bad at the game. Um, the game. <laughs> uh, I still am not going to predict them to beat Cincinnati. That's right. a loss. Seven and two. Six and two. Oh my goodness. They're six and two. seven and two now after they beat Memphis. Okay, seven ahead. and two for beating Memphis. Tulane eight and two. Navy nine and two. USF ten and ten, ten and two. Yeah. Ten and two. That's what I thought from the beginning of the year. I was like, that's my. I think that was. But my also, they go to the league, they go to the league title game if they lost to Cincinnati. Yeah, they probably play Cincinnati and probably lose. But <laughs> I think we'd be okay with that. <laughs> They'll just lose to Cincinnati twice. I would hate. I would not be okay. Is that with a that. successful year? Like, say UCF goes eleven and three, but. The two losses were the two conference losses was, were both to Cincinnati. Was Memphis's twenty seventeen season successful? Because no. they did the same thing against it, against UCF. I don't, well, they were in the top twenty five. I consider any top twenty five season successful. Them losing to Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. Is oh, I forgot about that. If they'd won that, yes, they would have been eleven and two. Again, they finished ranked either way. But just, the ooh. really not successful Memphis season was eighteen, where they went eight and six. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's rough. Eight and six is a hilarious record. Makes no sense. What's your favorite record? What do you mean, a favorite record? Yeah, like, what's your favorite? Like, that's a ridiculous-looking record. Is it 8-6? and six? That might be 8-6. and six. Like, how often does 8-6 and six happen in college football? I'm going to have to look it up. I think there was a year a team went 6-8. and eight. That's ridiculous. Am I right? Yeah. Was it a match So did team? they go 6-6, six and six, lose the conference championship yes. game, and then lose the bowl game? Yes. They, they were in the conference championship at 6-6? Six and six? I think it was the MAC, where everyone just goes 4-4. Four and four. <sighs> I have to look it up. College football is hilarious. It really is like objectively funny. Um, So just a couple more things on the defense. Tanner Mordecai, who I again I think he's the best quarterback in the conference, went twenty eight of forty five, two hundred ninety five yards and an interception. Um, I I, can I say really quickly? I found out who it was. It was UCLA. Was it really in twenty eleven? Because USC was facing oh, violations so they couldn't go to the conference so they title had game to go. so they sent six and six UCLA that's ridiculous and they lost the conference title and they lost the bowl to go six and eight sorry that was a really random tangent um anyway. so Mordecai like the thing I liked about UCS defense and it, it felt very much like the game plan I'm not going to pretend I know what it was but they were keeping a lot in front of them yep you and every time SMU tried to go for the deep ball their best hope was a pass interference and they got that a couple I loved times. I forget who committed there was one where it was going to be a huge play and he was like I'm just going to tackle this guy That's and fine. it was such a good it was such um, a good decision I mean their their top receiver Rishi Rice or Rishi Rice 12 catches for 122 yards and like he was just going to he was basically going to get yeah. his like they were throwing the ball to him all the time yep. um 
So I mean, I can't really feel too bad about that. But just to to hold Mordecai to to that, not he didn't like, didn't throw a touchdown. Like I and the, the thing that was the biggest thing, like I said it earlier in the podcast, going into the second half, I was like feeling better than I thought I would because I mean they were losing, but the offense looked bad. But it was just the defense had done so well to that point to keep SMU out of the end zone that I was like. The defense is going to give them a chance. Like they, they while the offense was still trying to figure it out, the defense kept them in it. Yeah, and that was the key right there because then the offense turned it on the second. And half. I'd even tweet at one point. I was like, "This is not a game where the defense is just going to be able to keep you in it." And they did. They did. They yeah. Did. No, I mean, I, my one of my predictions was that the defense would have its worst game, and I was wrong. And I'm happy to be wrong. I don't think I'll bet against the defense again. I don't think that I think the de- I, I'm done worrying about the defense. SMU is one of, like I don't know what offenses they're going to face that are better than that well, SMU offense. <laughs> I told you on the Georgia Tech podcast, I was like, I was a little worried. So I was like. Just all these, like, I was like, there's no way that they can just continue to be bend, don't break like this. It's not a sustainable thing. And they well, did it again against SMU. And I still don't want to believe that, like, by the laws of everything, it shouldn't be a sustainable thing. But if they keep be. doing it, it's just a weird I mean, listen, a, weird a game will come this year where they can't do it. Yeah. And you just hope that it's a game where the offense can step up. And you feel more confident that that might happen after this game, but still, like... Ugh. I don't know. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> 2022 UCF offense and step up aren't really phrases you ever want to see in the same sentence, but... So, the, the, the one thing... Okay, we probably should need to wrap this up soon. Yeah, probably. Um, but one thing that, like, kind of signaled some growth, and it really probably isn't a, a real, like, measurable... But at, toward the end of the first half, it was 13-10. UCF got the ball back, and they were going to get the ball to start the second half. And I know it doesn't always work out this way, but I was like, it would just be so nice for UCF to score a touchdown yep. here and get points to start the second half. Double up, you feel really comfortable at like 24-13 or 21-13. They didn't score on, on the drive to end the first half. But it was, I think it was later in the game, and it was after the safety when they went up 26-13. to Yeah, I was like, score a touchdown here, and you, you just really put it away. And they did. They did. And they I, went for two just, to really, uh, yeah. to really. Take I wonder if that's why last year was trying to score at the end. I know people, some people were like putting made that up. Sense. Yeah, it was it was a possessions yeah. thing. So Changing I don't really. Changing the final score from forty one thirteen to forty one nineteen does not make no, sense. No, yeah, I, I don't understand that, but. But no, I agree. The de- the offense just looks the best it's looked, and it seemed like I said there's hope in that. I guess just on a closing note, that this was less. Oh, they just turned it on, and now they're going to turn it off again, or it could be inconsistent. It just seemed more like they kind of figured out how to do what they want to do with what they have. Yeah, and it's and that made a difference. It is weird to see like they're playing Temple next, so it's like, are we gonna get? There's a potential for us to get fooled into thinking like, oh yeah, they really did figure it out in that SMU game. But that's fine because Temple. if I want the team to get fooled into that, I want them to. Yeah, that no, conference. I mean it'd be great. I, I want them not to blow thing. out two teams and be like, we're two and zero in conference. We've crushed both teams we played. We're feeling ourselves. Let's go on the road and beat East Carolina. That's yeah. what I want to see. And I think I think they'll play out that way. I surely hope so. I do. I guess we can end it there. I, this was like probably the most positive podcast we've had in several months. Yeah, I'd like to ask our listeners to make up their minds on me because in the last six months, I've gotten hammered for being a homer and I've gotten hammered for being negative all the time. So, like, which one is it, guys? Are you just my determined thing, to hate me? My no thing too is like, I apparently I've developed this persona as a negative. Per- I feel like I've just been realistic all year, and people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I've been unfair that, to UCF. But that's what my big thing was, la- especially last season after the injuries, when I was saying you can't count this stuff, it's because of the injuries, this is a good foundational year, and people would just be like, you just can't take anything Christian says seriously. <laughs> He's just sunshine and rainbows all the time. He'll never say a bad thing against UCF. 
Then this year, the offense looks terrible. I'm like, hey, the offense looks terrible. And they're like, you just can't listen to Christian. Everything he says is always negative. It's like, I don't know what you He just hates want. John Rice Plumley. It's like, believe it or not, it might be hard for you to believe it. I just say my take on the team. Yeah. Like, sorry for that, I guess. But, like, I don't know what you guys want from me. But anyway, <laughs> on that note. On that note, please tune in next week for episode 100. I just, I don't think I thought we were going to be doing this for 100 episodes. It's pretty wild. We're going to do something special next week since it's the 100th I, Yeah, you, that's like a, one of the early, early podcasts. Like, I was going to say, I wonder how many of our listeners remember that, where every milestone, like, we'd be gone on with episode 20. I think like, it was like, special I think it was episode 20 when you were like, yeah, we should play birthday music. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, why? And then you're, we didn't do that. No, we didn't, we didn't get, like, an actual intro until, what? We were in, like, like the 60s. Yeah, maybe? I think so. It would, just, it would yeah. just start with my voice, which is yeah. jarring. But now we have a fancy intro. We so. do. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week with episode 100 leading into the Temple game, the space game. Very, very excited. Super excited for the space um, game. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.